Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Box Set Pod. Uh, this week brought to you by four men and Jamie. Uh, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Hey, that's a good point. I listened to last week's this morning. When did we get sponsored by Vodafone, and why have I not seen any of that cash? Mm, ah, where's that that mobile cash? Well, moving on. Let's find out what's on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> on today's podcast, um, the adverts that you may hear, Matthew, are um, courtesy of Acast, the brilliant company that hosts our podcast, and. Um, those adverts get shared across a number of podcasts, and based on the number of listeners you got, you get, you get a share of the ever uh, anything shared, right? Uh huh. And uh-huh. so we I, should all get like a penny or two p each. Well, our rolling total um, oh, as of the roll. last twelve months came in today. The rolling total is seven pounds eighty-five. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't reach the threshold for payment, which is £100. So uh, we've got another probably 80 years to wait before we can all share that spoils. Okay. Something to look forward to. Yeah, that's what should we do with it? So that, can, that can count as that. That'll be fine. But if there's ever an incentive to tell all of your friends, even the ones who are fans of theatre, Matthew, to listen to this podcast, then that's it. Yeah. Could we not just tell current listeners to listen to it two or three times each? Yep. That's yep. actually that's a better mm. idea. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. There's a lot of stuff you miss first time you listen to it, isn't there? Mm. Definitely. We should put more Easter eggs in episodes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, figurative Happy ones, not, not actual ones. But uh, I've got oh, one right now. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> have you really? Is that what what, you ha- what wine are you having with it? I'm getting a Merlot. You can't really combine a, a, a wine with white chocolate. Oh, is a white chocolate oh, Easter egg? Oh. Ooh. That's a challenge. Ooh. Studio at the dot com. Yeah, there you go. Email your white chocolate pairing ones. <laughs> I, 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 tried to, I tried to buy an Easter egg at Marks and Spencer's and uh, I went to Till and it was twelve pounds. So I took it back and bought one for four quid instead. <laughs> twelve pounds? What was well, it? Twelve quid for an Easter egg. It was shaped like a, a chicken, so it was quite, uh, you know, it's quite a new. So it wasn't. I've had a hell of an Easter weekend with uh, literally overflowing with actual Easter bunnies in the uh, in the burrows. <laughs> oh my god, I was at the vets for an entire day with one of them. I was force feeding one of them at midnight. What were you doing on your bank holiday? I was force feeding a rabbit. At midnight. Have, have you heard that they showed Watership Down on Channel 5 on uh, Saturday and loads of parents complained to Channel 5? <laughs> <laughs> It's they said it again brutal. on Monday as well. Oh, did they? Yeah, it's one of the most brutal films ever yeah. made. <laughs> it's harrowing. That film is harrowing. It's an amazing yeah. film. What turned it? It's actually quite quite realistic as well. Once you get to know rabbits, <laughs> rabbits that don't know each other, they're pretty brutal towards each other. What um, what time did they show it? Mid afternoon. 
Well, no, that's fine. Yeah, of course it's fine. Yeah. What are we doing with these children? We grew up watching Watership Down on TV in the daytime. He, Adam's got about four speech impediments and was bald from the age of seven, but what harm did it do him? <laughs> you know, there, there's a bit in that in that movie, I was watching it yesterday, and where it's like they're about to do the breakout of Ephrifa, and uh, Bigwig like, distracts a guard. And then when he looks and sees all the rabbits escaping, he just knocks him into a tunnel. It goes quiet for a minute, and then Bigwig just comes out. Right. And I was just thinking, yeah. did he just kill him? Yeah. He true. just ripped his throat out. He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because you can't really knock a rabbit out, can you? Mm. Or at least one rabbit can't knock another rabbit oh, out. It's oh, not like... Can. Can't they? Well, oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back legs, um, plenty of... Because those those massive back legs, if they accidentally like hoof another rabbit, that uh, out cold, gone, dead. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking like there's not really the rabbit equivalent of a cosh to the back of the head, is there? No, it's just any part of the head. Poof, gone. Vicious creatures and, mm. and wonderful pets. So, on so is there the potential for the Easter What's bunny on next to week? be a real bastard? <laughs> is the Easter bunny? The Easter Bunny, if he's got to know the other bunnies, would be excellent. To people, he would be good, and to most other things, he'd just be scared. But if it was another rabbit, the Easter Bunny would be an absolute shit bag. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hutch was invented by the French to fatten them up before they ate them. True fact. On tonight's podcast, we're going to be talking 30 Rock. We're also going to be talking about the sad... Uh, and sudden passing of Gary Shandling, who, despite being on one of the best internet series, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, very recently looking great, um, passed away. Really sad. So, we're going to deal with those things. First, let me introduce you to everybody 25 minutes in. We've got Jamie, the regular um, we've got the internet department, Adam, who's uh, sat in his palace in northern Manchester. We've got Matthew uh, Wandless, who, for the same price as the, ha- the palace that Adam's in, is sitting in his terraced house in uh, probably Stoke Newington. That's where I imagine. Bound screen. Bit close. Is it very close? <laughs> and Tin and Dewey, well, he's a stand-up comic, so I'm guessing he's more Elephant and Castle than um, no, Stoke mate, Newington. No. No, I'm, You'd be I'm wrong, Tin, and it's less than a mile from me. Then, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm nearer to Stoke Newington than Matt is. So. Jesus, but you're renting, yeah? Yeah, but I'm renting, yeah, right, in, a, okay. in a crappy yeah. flat full of damp and cold. Great. Right. Sorted. In fact, you're in Matt's basement, aren't you? We yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with all the that. rabbits. I've, I've been trapped for weeks. <laughs> um, that's a lot of so us. You keep you there and make you do sort of in you know badly timed comic stand-up I, sets. Just what to I'm, having to, I'm having to test what drinks work with white chocolate eggs. Just <laughs> I'm currently on Bovril. I've been through vinegar, uh, various <laughs> Jesus, it's it's horrible. It's really horrible. And he can go home when he gets it right. Over <laughs> <laughs> uh, a night without Matt shouting down the stairs. Comedy for wine. Comedy for wine. <laughs> um, okay, Christian Talbot, another comedian from Ireland, may join us shortly as well. Let's go first to heavy breathing Jamie Atherton with the latest box set pod news, which you can see online. Yeah, a couple of little bits just wanted to mention. First of all, uh, anyone was, was anyone a fan of the comic book or the cartoon series of The Tick? Yes. Yes. Never heard of yes. It. It's 
It was brilliant. The cartoon was actually brilliant. And I did uh, I did read a comic as well, which is very good, a while ago. That was nice. But Amazon Studios are adapting this comic book, and uh, they've got Peter Serafenowicz mm-hmm. to play the tick. Uh, if you don't know who he is, then he's been in Space. He's been in Spy recently. He was also in... Um, we know who recently he was in Guardians of the, the Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. He's got a good chin on him. Very solid chin. He's, and he's an choice. amazing impression of Paul McCartney. And uh, he will be playing the tick. And creator Ben Edlund will be writing and producing. It's a very surreal parody of superheroes. It's well-timed with all the superhero films around. Uh, but not in the style of Deadpool, which I, which I saw recently. And I, mm-hmm. Have you seen it? It's good, yes. isn't it? Do you yeah. not remember me slagging it off? Did you slag it off? Well, it was the week that um, Zoolander 2 was out. Did you go and watch that? Oh, no, 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 Jesus no. Jesus Christ, you don't listen to a word, do you? There was those two things, and I'd been to see both. And Zoolander 2 was by far better. Or Deadpool, I liked it. Uh, I, really, I, I like it. Deadpool. It was like fine, but it was just, it was one note. It was just cynical, the whole thing. It was too easy. Big budget. Okay, well, the tick is, uh, is, is, is it takes the mickey out of the superhero world, but in a very sort of uh, different way to that, but it's excellent, funny stuff coming it's, out. Uh, one also. of the bad guys in the cartoon was the Swiss Army, who had giant Swiss Army knives on their backs <laughs> that would occasionally pull out helicopters or guns or swords. It was incredible. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I like it. Did you yeah. guys like Footnote, Guardians of the Galaxy as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah loved it. Yeah, yeah I didn't like yeah. it. I thought it was okay. I wonder if now I've watched... Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, I wonder if now I've fallen in love with Parks and Rec that, that there is a layer to the comedy of uh, Chris Pratt that I, I didn't previously get. I don't know. I just thought it was a bit like... Hmm. I don't think there yeah. is. Got into the Galaxy never really made me laugh out loud. No. Deadpool did in a couple of places, though. I have a terrible, unnecessary Marvel bias where I just like everything that's Marvel, even if it's terrible. Uh, I can't, I can't yeah. see that it's bad. Well, I can't see it. Good, good. No, it's good to be that positive, and I'm almost ashamed that I'm in Matt's camp on this one. So, carry on with the news, Jamie. Not much else, but I do want to mention that the BBC are remaking some classic sitcoms, including Till Death Do Us Part, mm-hmm. uh, which has got the fast show Simon Day taking the role of Alf Garnet, right. Steps Owen's son, and Hancock's Half Hour. Don't worry, they're only doing one-off specials for like a special remake of some legendary sitcom season that they're doing, mm-hmm. um, and they're gonna they're gonna sort of recreate some of the lost episodes of these hit shows, but. The issue, of course, with Till Death Do Us Part is it has a lot of racism. Yeah. <laughs> so they've yeah. got to they've got to bypass that if they're going to use an old oh, script. Sorry, uh, Jamie. I know you work for the BBC, so you can't comment, but it does seem like a classic BBC corner <laughs> to put yourself in that. Let's bring back yeah. Alf Garnet, but remove the racism. Uh, so everyone will either say that we've been too PC or we're cashing in on a racist show. I, I don't really... It better be good. Have you seen I'm who's playing uh, in the Porridge one? Oh, sorry, go on, Tiernan. Because they're remaking Porridge, but Ronnie Barker's character's going to be played by Kevin Bishop. No. Yeah. What? That's no. the worst choice anyone's ever made in don't their life. do it. <laughs> the man's not an actor. Yeah. No. What the hell? Um, Adam, what were you... Uh, sorry, I, I was just going to stick my uh, neck out there and say, these are all going to be dog shit, aren't they? <laughs> I'm going to make that bold prediction now. Well, we are no. not going to be talking about those on the sort of DVD box set in a year's time. Ben... These will not be 
classics. Ben texted me yesterday when I was uh, up to my arms in uh, disinfectant and rabbit shit, and he said, put BBC Parliament on, they're replaying the 1966 election as originally broadcast. And it sounded so good. Like, the uh, the idea of um, going back and replaying things, I think is a great idea. I don't know why we have to reboot things that are very good. Like, um, for example, if they were to put, in, the, in line with the election, if they were to put the same evening's programmes exactly as it happened on the night that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, I'd be hooked to it for, like, five hours, don't you think? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really good idea. They've there's, done there's that a couple a... of times with, with sporting events, sort of on anniversaries yeah. of cups and stuff like that. They've replayed original footage and original media coverage almost over sort of 24 hours on the website. Um, and it happens a lot in sport, but, yeah, I guess yeah. it's going to happen in, in other sort of cultures as well. Tell them, Jamie. Yeah, there's, there's, a great, there's a great documentary by uh, ESPN, and it follows what was on TV during the O.J. Simpson when he was on his Bronco heading down the highway trying to uh, chase away from the, the police. And everything that was on TV on that day, it's like a two-hour documentary, and you flick between all these different sporting events and all these different uh, TV programs. And in between it is just every now and then O.J. in his Bronco. And it's just really interesting <laughs> to see like how people would have like consume this weird event it's really good actually well we discussed this previously when I mentioned Greece Live but the uh, <laughs> all the challenges of creating event TV now to compete with the box set world um, that's a really good way of doing it I would totally tune in to watch like you're going back in time watch your TV as they did in 1956 or whatever cool <laughs> I never get with, with the reboots is I think in, in their minds I'm thinking well if we reboot all these classics it comes people might go back and watch the originals, but actually they'll just go, this is rubbish, I'm glad I never watched the originals, mm. and we'll just put people off them. Yeah, it's a tough one, it's a tough one. Which brings us to another question, what TV series would you bring back, would you reboot? What what actually is, just suffers by its age, but is actually superb? Uh, the Prisoner, I definitely think, oh, except they did remake that recently and it was rubbish. Okay, there you go. Mm. Damn, that didn't work. Yeah, wow. I've, I've ruined my own idea. Yeah, you, <laughs> by, you by had an idea and completely it. focus grouped yeah. it and ruined it. I know. One. What about Quantum Terrible. Leap? Could you bring Quantum Leap? Oh, oh. It's something I've talked about with people. Like Quantum Leap in an envelope. And, uh, Adam, you've gone... And when you said that, open it. Oh, you've oh, gone go under on. a sock. Can you please... Adam's in a bag. Can everyone try and control <laughs> your Let me out, Matt. Let me out. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you've had this conversation with people. We we talked about Quantum Leap and, and how you would do it, but I just I don't understand how it could happen. Mm. I, I just feel like uh, those those shows are of a period and they and they come with a certain charm which you just can't recreate. Mm. Biggie would just be Siri now. The, yeah. the one I would do is um, <laughs> and it's not a it's not a box set per se, but the Crystal Maze. I'd like to see that redone oh. with some really imaginative shit. Just bring it back. Me and Jamie looked into this on our show once. We tried to start a campaign to bring bring it back and the truth of the matter is that the TV company who owns the rights to it um, won't do anything with it I, I think that's what we found out they, they've got a live one in London now haven't they you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, so you can go and, uh, and do it live but it's such an expensive TV show to pull off that it's not 
you know, the, it's not not viable. So they think, but I think forget it. Fund the shit out of that thing. It'll be brilliant. Take what you've it's... learned from uh, Total Wipeout and Takeshi's Castle <laughs> and put it all in there. Wrap it all into one giant exactly. death trap. Oh, is Richard O'Brien still alive? Is he still? Is he? Yes. I sort of imagine he's just still trapped yeah. in one of the elements of the Crystal Maze. And but that'll be the other thing. They'll, have, they'll bound to have discussed it, and he'll have said, "Of course I'll do it, but for fifteen million pounds, you know." Probably, I imagine. Let's talk about 30 Rock. That's what we're here to talk about this week. Um, Tiernan, Adam and Jamie have all watched 30 Rock. Is that correct? Indeed. Uh, and yes. Matt no, I, I've only seen two episodes of Oh, OK. It. Uh, Tiernan's yeah. only seen two. Matt, how many have you watched? Oh, I've, I've seen four series. Oh, Five. sorry. Right, I got Five. you and Tiernan the wrong way around. OK, so Tiernan and I are the guinea pigs this week. I okay. think that because I'm the guinea pig this week, I should hand over the reins of host to my compadre, Jamie Atherton. Let's see if he can hold this shit together. Oh, welcome to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Make Hal do the news. <laughs> Howell, uh, first of all, mm. as you are one of the new watchers, why don't you describe 30 Rock to everybody else? Okay, it's a TV show based in New York. It's a TV show about a TV show. So Tina Fey is the showrunner of a comedy that's called something to do with girls, 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 or the girly, the girly show. show. The girly show, thank you. Um, and Tina Fey runs it. Alec Baldwin has been brought in as like the studio chief, um, and he is starting to interfere with things. So clearly, based on the first episode, this is going to be a story about. Um, Tina and friend trying to run their show but the studio boss Alec Baldwin who's a larger than life character getting in the way or not with that process is that right? That's quite an accurate sum uh, summation of the first episode Tina why don't you give yeah. us your thoughts on it? Uh, that's one of the strongest pilots I've seen of anything uh, in ages. I, I, I feel like a bit of an idiot that I haven't watched it before, actually. Uh, it, it nailed... Uh, it, I found it incredibly funny from pretty much the first couple of seconds. From the, the opening sequence where Tina Fey... Can I stop you someone, just for one um, second? Oh, yeah. Is there anything you yeah. can do to better your signal? My signal? Yeah, is everyone uh, else hearing Tin and broken up? Yeah, he sounds like he's behind a waterfall. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, I don't know. You sound uh, better now. That's better. Is that better? You need that's to check better. your plumbing, Matt. I have just ever so slightly moved. Is that <laughs> well, a... that's brilliant, yeah. Well, there you go. Good. Apparently, I was sitting uh, in a way that blocks Wi-Fi. <laughs> I must have a secret plate in my head or something. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Just take it another is, step I... up Matthew's basement stairs. That is what it is. It's this metallic liquid I'm having with the egg is uh, is obviously interfering. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought it's even like from the, the very intro bit, uh, which has uh, Tina Fey going to buy a hot dog and a guy pushes in the queue in front of her, so she ends up buying all of the hot dogs <laughs> to spite him. That is amazing. You know, it's just got such a and a bit like lots of the other sitcoms we talked about, Brooklyn Nine Nine and Parks and Rec. It's got that lovely. Um, strong American sitcom feel of having gags every, like, really every other second, but without it feeling forced. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like any of those are crowbarred, and it feels very natural to the characters uh, to be that kind of witty uh, with their repartee. And, uh, and and again, just a lovely range, of, uh, lovely range of people. You know, everyone seems very, very different. Everyone seems very distinctive. Um, it's brilliant. I was, I was really pleased with it. I immediately watched episode two straight away afterwards. Yeah, it was very good. 
What's Jamie, interesting about <laughs> Sorry about that, Tien, and I left you left you hanging. What's interesting right. about that first uh, about Thirty Rock is when it first started. It, 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 it's about like making a comedy show. It started the same time as uh, um, Studio Sixty on Sunset Strip, the Aaron Sorkin disaster, and it's so it's so much better at capturing that world than Aaron Sorkin managed with his like attempt at. Uh, looking at the comedy, creating a comedy show, and he does it without being any no pretensions. It's just this world of just really funny, quirky individuals, and that corporate world that's that's above it all and everything. It really captures that sort of mixture perfectly without having to be a, a big diatribe by Aaron Sorkin about creativity. Uh, and it's got well, yeah, it doesn't try and do it in any seriousness, though, does? Yeah. It doesn't take itself seriously. There's surreal things happening and very well, strange, zany characters. Even in so the way th- that um, uh, that uh, Alec Baldwin's character comes from making microwave ovens, <laughs> you know, like it's that lovely. He's the corporate man, but he's come from that background. Every little element of it is slightly surreal, just slightly kooky. It's not, uh, you know, it's not as, as just as you're saying, mate. It's, there's no kind of serious angle to it. It's lovely. <laughs> What did you make of uh, Tracy Morgan? Did did anyone um, did anyone have an opinion on him? Yeah, I, yeah, he was he was all right. I, I thought that he was a bit overplayed, and I thought <laughs> I I I differ from Tiernan. You know, I, I thought this was good. I thought it was funny, but I could actually see the gags like um, uh, Studio Sixty has for me. I enjoyed Studio Sixty more. On the first episode than this I, I feel like this shows its age slightly I can't believe they were made at the same time were they really made at the same time yeah yeah they were so 30 Rock completed its victory by getting Aaron Sorkin in as a guest star by about season <laughs> yeah. 5 and doing a really Aaron Sorkin sort of scene in which they reflect on how hard it is to get a, a show off the ground like they're both in there pitching new shows and it, it really sort of it's Sorkin rolling over and accepting that he absolutely had his ass spanked on that idea. Really? <laughs> really, well, yeah. Uh, I feel like it's your fault, Adam, that I didn't feel more towards it. I thought, I thought it was I, I probably overhyped it for you. I've been recommending it for so many years to you. That you've, you've hyped it a lot. It's and, to like it. Yeah, and uh, I did like it, and I thought, okay, all of these characters are going to grow and I can see like Tiernan says the you know the the idiosyncrasies of like Alec Baldwin Alec Baldwin's character is um uh, uh, great and everything but there was just an element to it that you know when a stand-up comic makes a sitcom and you can you're aware that the jokes are being written so like that hot dog stand joke Tina Fey gets the son of the front and she buys all the hot dogs they're just sit that it it I, I was always very aware that this was like being written by comedians, if you know what I mean. But it, yeah, it, it, it's a show by comedians about comedy, so it's that you really sort of sense that it is a, a comedian's kind of show. Like it, you've got all these characters, and it's fine for them to be funny, smart characters because they're meant to be smart, funny characters who write gags. So the fact that they speak in gags and it's only, you know, ten seconds between each gag is kind of expected. Um, and I think the first season is really just sort of quite scattergun and Jesus quite laugh out loud. What are you doing with your frigging? Can you <laughs> what tell us what your microphone setup is, please? <laughs> <laughs> microphone. What? Tell, tell me what exactly. Describe yourself <laughs> right now. The tablet. You, what are you doing with that tablet? Uh, I'm, I'm holding you it. Submerge it underwater. 
Is it uh, hang on. There. What have you just done? What are you rubbing it on your genitals? <laughs> oh, that's not how it works. <laughs> Whatever you've just done, just leave it like that. Okay? Right, okay. I really hope you're holding it in a very uncomfortable position. <laughs> yeah, I'm hanging out my window. <laughs> between my arse, no. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I am not rushing back to it in the same way that, you know, at the moment Parks and Rec has got me absolutely, completely hooked. Uh, and I went back to Modern Family the other night and thought it really wasn't very good compared to the pace and the uh, jokes in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine has started to ruin Modern Family for me. Which, uh, yeah, just a, just a detour onto Modern Family. Like I've been watching it quite a bit lately, and I, I, I sit there now mm. and I don't laugh, but mm. I appreciate that it's good. And I find that I've come away. Only the only time I ever laugh is when Phil Dunphy's in it, and that's about it, really. Because I don't know why, but it doesn't. It isn't that funny, but it is very well made and it's very well acted. Yeah, I, I found it. It gets a bit stuck in its situation. Yeah, um, I got a bit bored of just seeing each different couple argue every episode. Do you know, it, it's not... Whereas Brooklyn Nine-Nine has a nice variety to it because of its premise. Um, and I think having watched two episodes of 30 Rock, I presume that's kind of the same with that as well. But Modern Family is just the same characters having, you know, quite nice lives and getting annoyed with each other. Modern about. Family, even even more than Parks and Rec for me, takes um, advantage of the documentary fit theme to uh, to allow itself to do jokes that it shouldn't actually be able to do, right. and it and, and the and it doesn't justify the fact that it's a documentary in any way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Same with Parks and Rec. It, it, I, the knowing look at the camera, I could easily lose in everything now. Ever since the Office, really, I could lose that. But but what I mean, I don't have a problem with the knowing look at the camera. But the Office justified itself brilliantly in the sense that um, mm. you could understand the documentary. The documentary made sense. Yeah, yeah. It was a shit documentary, but it made sense in the context of British television. Whereas I don't know who's watching this documentary about this family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right, and and I also think. Modern Family perhaps suffers from um, a big star LA thing. Like I feel like I look mm. at all the characters and it, it's become very much about these superstars playing these parts. And there's there's less like in Brooklyn Nine Nine and in um, Parks and Rec. You get the feeling that people the gloves are off and they don't give a shit and they they are trying to out funny each other. Whereas this feels like they're trying to play their parts really well, for which they're getting ten million dollars an episode or whatever it is. There's a point in a lot of comedy series where they stop trying to be funny and start trying to be clever. Like you say, they kind of exhaust the the situation that they've set up. Because I, I know, sort of in Modern Family, they started doing the episodes where it was entirely through their screens, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Do you remember there was an episode where I everything like was just that. what they would see on? The, and yeah. it's clever, Once but you kind of think simply Thirty Rock, the point where it goes into live shows or there's um, shows which are entirely uh, a reality TV show set within that TV show. I think by the and time we'd got to those things still with 30 lines, Rock... But... Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, go on, go on. I, sorry, I think by the time we'd got to those things with 30 Rock, it had already lost um, its its core and what made it so good in the first place. Like I, I, I've, I've watched five series of it, but I only liked four. And yeah. I won't. I haven't carried on watching it. But I, I think Hal, if you can just uh, reach a little bit further into this bucket of sand, mm, mm. Uh, you're going <laughs> to find a diamond, and it and it and it largely is in the shape of Alec Baldwin's perfect head, uh, because mm. um, like I, I, 
I, I kind of um, I, I'm buoyed by the fact that Tin found the pilot so good, but actually I think it's not a very good pilot in the sense of like the best stuff is is round the corner, yeah. like the, yeah. the the mid part and uh, the mid part of the first ser- series into the the end of the second series is just amazing. Ooh. Some of it yeah. and and Alec Baldwin. There's an episode. Uh, it's only about four or five in where he has to. Um, record uh an info an info thing for ge he's just like giving a talk about it and so he has to be talking to camera Mm. and i'm not i'm not going to go any further into detail about it but it he is singularly brilliant Mm -hmm. in this show and i I had no idea i had totally forgotten about him in beetlejuice and i had Mm -hmm. no idea that he had any kind of comedy chops whatsoever but um but he's amazing in the show and have you seen his episode of um comedians in cars getting coffee yeah oh man it's that's what sold the show to me in the first place it's just it's just brilliant i just i think he's such an actor um in the in the insecure sense you know, in that comedians in cars, he's like, "Oh, I'm shit, Jerry. You're brilliant, and I'm just shit." Like he's, he seems quite insecure with his with his talent. That's well, interesting. I disagree completely. I th- I think he seems really self-assured, and he's kind of poking fun at the fact that Jerry's made all this money out of essentially not being talented. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think you should watch it again. Well, I've watched it three or four times, so I'm pretty comfortable. <laughs> 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 um, you yeah. sort of spent, I was just saying, going on the, on the Alec Baldwin thing, you do, the first time you watch any episode of 31, for me, sort of the first series, you spend going, that's Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then actually, uh, it, it really is a series that I've just rewatched it, including right up to season seven, which I hadn't seen before. Um, and you kind of forget to go, <laughs> there's Alec Baldwin being funny. You just go, this is just brilliantly constructed uh, comedy, both gag by gag and actually in terms of them creating an arc and the, and the kind of relationship between those two central characters that you do weirdly start start to care for. It, it does dip a little bit, sort of, season... On, on rewatching season four, it's actually still pretty funny. But at the time, I think you're kind of wait, waiting for it to, to fail a little bit. Five pretty re- Sorry. Season seven is actually really funny again. They tie all this stuff back together. It's it's one of those where, the fight, where you know it's a final season and they do sort of half as many episodes as ever and they just really pack it full of good good stuff. A pretty yeah. reasonable barometer for how good the series is is if you watch Tracy Morgan's Wait. Because yes. <laughs> he's pretty thin and athletic in the first couple of seasons, and I and I, I, I was it Jamie? Did you say that he, you didn't particularly like him? You thought it was quite a an overdone oh, no, performance. I, I, I like Howell. Howell didn't like it. Um, I think he's really funny in the first two series. Like his 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 madness is just really nicely played, but um, he gets more and more annoying. He gets very Zach Braff okay. in the third yeah, and fourth it. series, I think, mm. and. Um, and but um, uh, no, that's a terrible thing. Oh, okay. um, but what I, what I was going to say is that I think um, your initial characterization of the show as as being about the kind of the, joke. Um, the, joke the right. back and f- not not the joke mechanism. No, the, the the back and forth between the studio exec and the oh, yeah. and the writers, and also something that Adam was saying about how it's a, it's a show about funny people doing funny stuff. Mm. Like really. There's very few uh, episodes which are about the writing of the show or kind of yeah. you know writers being writers. Yeah. It's all just it, it's all just capers that take place in that particular setting. It's a very traditional sitcom in that. Mm. Unlike something like the Larry Sanders show, which we did sort of think we were going to talk about, which is very much about the um, 
the power and the interplay in, in <laughs> yeah. those. Whose cat was that? That was my cat, just uh, underscoring my speech neatly. Always does that when it, when you're boring it. <laughs> <laughs> Let it listen uh, to Howl for a while. <laughs> oh, say, Matt, Jamie, you're a terrible host. Terrible. You know, you've, a, you've asked literally one question, and oh, now Matt, Matt and Adam have had to try and stumble back towards G- Gary Shandling. Which uh, I think even... he's letting the conversation flow yeah, nicely flow. without imparting his own personality on it and his own opinions <laughs> overriding it like that. Or spending, uh, or every now and again taking ten minutes to chug out a worthless metaphor about lights or sand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that. Uh, what are we talking about again? <laughs> 30 Rock. So, yeah, I'll carry on watching it because because Matt says that there is a, a diamond in the bucket stand, and I get that. So I will persevere and watch that. Um, yeah, he, he, did say, he did say the diamond in the sand by season five isn't good. I, I don't know if you tried <laughs> to eat that diamond by that point or something definitely went wrong. Um, I, I re- episode two, which I watched this afternoon, is, is better than episode one. I, I, I just I think it's great. I'm definitely going to watch it all. Well, look, I've got a question for you, right? And Adam's not allowed to answer this. Um, if 30 Rock was, as Adam states, the beginning of a lot of things that I really like now... Um, are the, are the recent things better? Is it really worth my effort to go back and watch all this stuff that inspired just for the sake of Eric Bardwin? It's I, definitely I as good as Brooklyn Nine-Nine, definitely. Okay. And I think, I think um, like one of the reasons I think I enjoyed episode one of, of 30 Rock so much is having watched Kimmy Schmidt and getting all of Tina Fey's kind of humour in that. Uh, I think then 30 Rock does feel like a diluted version of it. Uh, in a sense, but that's not necessarily a bad that's thing. That's a statement Adam made uh, when he was last on, but I, initially, I'm watching this straight away and I'm going, they're totally different things. Yeah, Kimmy Schmidt is much more of a fiction than this, surely, isn't it? No, 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 wait wait, wait until you get... Like, there's episodes coming up where, you, where they go to a party for the... The, the hor- horrifically inbred prince of um, some uh, <laughs> Middle Eastern, not the Middle Eastern, sorry, Eastern European country. Right. And it's like a champagne reception and you meet Alec Baldwin's ex-wife played by Isabella Rossellini. And it's, abs- oh, God, I, this, this one of these characters' eyebrows falls off. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's really, really funny. And right. it's very, very surreal and not, it goes completely off the rails. Fine, fine. Stick with it, Howell. It's brilliant. It's got a wonderful, like, I think the biggest similarity to Kimmy is the pace of it it's got that pace yeah. of humor like it's it's quick and it's it really like you feel new you're in new york when you're watching it you really get that feeling of this very sort of um active world that's a bit aggressive and this woman who's like a really funny comedian is trying to create something that she's proud of rather than go back to amateur dramatics and it's really it's just it's genuinely i think tina fey's brilliant in it like i had no idea who she was before yeah, I watched me too. It. and i couldn't believe it. I I'm thought she was great. Spending so much money on iTunes at the moment. <laughs> Seriously, Al, the, the, no, this this is on Thirty Rocks on Amazon. Quid DVD. Ten quid on DVD. Oh, we're on Amazon. I'm not signed up to Amazon. Although my sister is, maybe I could use. Isn't it on Netflix as well? I thought it was on Netflix as well. No, no, it's only on the US one. Uh, it used to be okay, but also just one more thing about Tina Fey is like I, I didn't realise how old this was, but. Um, she it's really important because uh, Liz Lemon is a loser mm. and she's allowed to be a, a loser in a way that um, uh, a lot of 
female characters in sitcoms don't get to be. Mm. Do you know what I mean at all? They're allowed to be stupid, but they're not allowed to be insulted about how they look and that kind of thing. You know, Baldwin makes some, some hilariously scathing remarks about how Liz Lemon dresses and behaves and that kind of thing. Yeah. And this is old, and 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 it's it's good that that's it, it's nice to see. Yeah, yeah. Stick with it, Howell. Yeah, the most sort of. Um, just one of the most engaging sort of comedy characters I think I've ever come across. Like really, really rounded character. You genuinely sort of relate to, despite this utterly surreal world that that can happen around her. Mm. Like you say, the pacing of it and the tone of it makes it very, very real and compelling, despite the fact it's utterly silly comedy around her. Okay. Yeah. Good. Lovely. Right. Let's move on to Gary <laughs> Shandling, everybody, and who fits in nicely to this discussion. That's good who hosting, died. Jamie. You like it? You like it? Okay, yeah, let's talk. I was going to take over again at this point. Um, let's just... talk. Howell, please step back Sorry. a second. I'm hosting here. <laughs> so, Gary Shandling, who died, I had no idea he was close to death's door. I'm sure we did. all did. Did he? Yeah. No, no, it's really yeah. sad, isn't it? And uh, for me, I loved, I never saw the Gary Shandling show, mm-hmm. but I saw Larry Sanders in the 90s when it was on BBC Two at like 11 o'clock at night and I just yeah. couldn't believe what I was watching it was just sort of such a surreal show to be I didn't know if it was real or not because it was like it felt real what and then year I, was it no, um, 92 was, wasn't it was yeah, it 92 yeah. Yeah. yeah so we were 12 fuck off really oh my god yeah. that's amazing yeah, yeah. I remember watching it as well um, when I was 12 but it, it was I actually thought it was real yeah me too me too I totally yeah, thought it was a real too. US chat show yeah. I had no idea Okay. No idea that it was a, a sitcom for for several episodes. And Christian really wanted to join us for this, didn't he? But he's he's not he's not there. So it falls upon um, Tin and Dewey as the other stand-up comic to do like a a proper um, obituary. So. Oh, that's uh, wow, that's tough. Um, you see, th- well, that, I think that's kind of tough for me in a way because I don't know a lot of Gary Shandling's stand-up, which is something that I feel quite embarrassed about. Um, but only Thank because you, Christian, really... that was an excellent <laughs> obituary. <laughs> really, not, really touching, really moving thanks. stuff. Thanks very much. Um, and you... Although that was too well. So uh, yeah, sorry, Tim. <laughs> <it> again. <laughs> so okay, so what what would we not have if it wasn't for Gary Shandling? Dirty Rock. We wouldn't have The Office. The Office, he was a huge influence on Ricky Gervais. um, And the kind of, you know, Ricky Gervais is, oh, God, if you've ever seen that awkward, awkward interview he did with Gary Shandling, which is so painful to watch. Um, But he does say in the kind of uh, the pre-interview bit, like that Hank from Larry Sanders' show is a huge influence on David Brent. That's where he took the entire kind of awkward character from. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, like the character of Hank in... Larry Sanders is like is the greatest piece of writing. I mean, he's he's just the most tragic comic character. He's so good in it, and and uh, Jeffrey Tambor who plays him is just oh, he's so brilliant. He's such a a sad but like pathetic, and like you you, you like him at times and you feel sorry for him, and then you realise he's a real knobhead, and he's just a brilliant character. And yeah, you he, he can see where David Brent came from. In Hang, for me, he's one of the best characters ever created in comedy. He's just superb. Mm. I completely agree. Like when he gets his restaurant later in the series, and he's sort of talking about the opening, and he's got this revolving table system (laughs) going on or something, and and he just plows all his money into it, and it fails ultimately. And it's, it's, he, he is an 
incredible character. He's brilliant. And it was one of the first shows to play with the idea of celebrity. Like it, it mm. played. With, you got you got, you got um, uh, David Duchovny would come on as in this homoerotic performance of himself, and he weren't sure yeah. what his relationship was with Larry, and all these <laughs> actors would come on and, and just play up their own persona and really sort of lampoon themselves. In a, it was it was just brilliant. It, it did it, so, it did something before anyone else got there. Certainly, Ricky Gervais with extras and stuff like that. Yeah, Alec Baldwin in it isn't he he um he yeah. comes on and there's this wonderfully awkward moment where alec baldwin says to shanley says um we've got something in common and larry kind of goes ah uh, yeah well well uh alec used to date my ex-wife and he's like oh no no that wasn't what i was going to talk about <laughs> at all. And he kind of just has to cut away <laughs> to you know go what to That's, that that is uh you've reminded me of loads of stuff there but the awkwardness you know the entertainment the entertainment of awkward, the uh, yeah, the, how how entertaining awkward can be. I can't. I can think that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really think of that having been done. I can't think of it. That that was one of the big things that he 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 set the ball rolling on, wasn't it? I suppose. But you know what? As yeah. well, what we were talking about last week, where I was saying that um, I like I can recognise and I enjoy the brilliance of something like Veep. Yeah. But I can't quite bring myself to watch 20 episodes of it because i can't deal with the all the awkwardness mm. the larry sanders show strikes a brilliant balance with it yeah where it's there Absolutely. but it, but it doesn't it, it doesn't make you ache with it and they just have it enough that like they have characters like Artie in there who's who doesn't really have that he's just a bull running around just tackling people and he doesn't have any of that awkwardness but they've got it all in the lead character so it's there well it's it's style um yeah you know now now those i don't know whether you agree chairman but the style now of things like parks and rec and veep and uh even the office all that stuff um the style has become very important that might be to do with budgets i'm not sure but it's very handheld it's very kooky we are very aware that we're watching something that has been thought about it's a self-aware style what i remember about gary shandling was it really was like the big old traditional rolling cameras and uh this really could have been shot backstage at a, at a talk show I think you know, something really important as well is that, that Larry Sanders, the character, was confident and very good at his job. Mm. And that's quite different to a lot of sitcoms. You know, if we're looking at, uh, for example, like 30 Rock, where they're kind of it comes in and things start falling apart and people are a bit rubbish and getting low yeah. range. You know, or you look at Parks and Rec, where, yes, Leslie Nope ends up being amazing, but she is rubbish in the first season and the second <laughs> season. But actually, Larry Sanders show, he's a really professional host. There's mm-hmm. other people coming in. And so is Hank. Things. Yeah, and so is Hank. Absolutely they, brilliant. They work. It's slick. It really, it really makes sense as a talk show. That's the, that's the brilliance of it. They lampoon yeah, it without lampooning it. They just do it perfectly. Yeah, there's a solidity and a reality to those characters, which are almost really well acted characters, rather than, um, yeah, rather than cartoons. Uh, which which I think we've we've got a little closer to. So now, when often when one of us sort of um, cheerleads one of these comedies, we say wait for season three. And the reason for that is that those actors have got really comfortable in their team. So from Brooklyn Nine Nine, Parks and Rec, Chuck, all of those things, the comedy team when they get really comfortable, it, the series becomes amazing because they're being really inventive and funny. Whereas this was 
mirrored Seinfeld in that sense of they took all of the craft really, really heavily seriously from the start, you know? Yeah, it kind of it speaks to what I was talking about earlier as well about the um, the use of the documentary format because um, th- this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Like they never have something go so catastroph- um, catastrophically wrong or so, so stupid on the show that it doesn't make sense because you, mm. you can't imagine a talk show where you know someone would get mauled by a lion or something like that yeah. some, some stupid big thing but other people let those sorts of things happen they let someone live in a pit for a year mm. on a documentary and it, you know that would that doesn't make any sense yeah. wouldn't happen it's, yeah all the kind of surrealness the lovely I, I rewatched episode one just the other day and just the the fact that the advert is for something called the garden weasel and that's where the level oh, of silliness God, is, is in the it's so very funny but that's that's where it doesn't go to kind of surreal levels or, or impossible levels it is just almost very realistic uh ridiculousness you know the naming of things the kind of people that they encounter people's behavior it's it's all quite grounded which is wonderful it feels yeah. like more of a subtle world that perhaps maybe mm. that can't exist now because everything's that everyone's competing to shout the loudest you know uh, but much more nuanced in its observation of life which which does remind you of the office when you describe it like that really and when you describe the you know lack of extreme um situations the office was very similar i suppose wasn't it yeah that the office is the only one out there that that treats its format in the same way i think mm. but it, it and that that um comes very close to the line like do you remember the christmas specials in the office yeah when he's singing and stuff the first christmas special i remember i think tin and you and i watched it at uni and i think we were both disappointed by the first christmas special oh uh, yeah probably. but then they brought it back in the second Jeez, one so perfectly gosh. can you imagine a christmas with matt uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> well i don't i don't think the turkey's as good as last year do you i'm delightful at christmas about- i'm full of Christmas spirit. <laughs> I mean, I was just yeah, in the basement. only talk about Larry Sanders, then it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in your face, Howell. <laughs> um, good. Um, is it, has anyone else got anything to say about Gary Shandling other than, well, that was sad? I think yeah, that, like, I, I just go on. So you go, Adam. You, you go. No, I was going to say I, I was similar to, to you guys in that I sort of watched a little bit of him in the 90s. I was always a bit thrown about whether how much of it was meant to be funny, I think, when you were that age and it was on yeah. late and you didn't really have a kind of explanation around what it was. Going back and watching just uh, the first episode uh, the other evening on YouTube, just you realise how, how brilliant it was and how much I sort of took it for granted and perhaps didn't really appreciate it at all. But you can totally see how shows like 30 Rock could not have existed without it, uh, even down to, um, like, Rip Torn as well, who's a fairly major part in 30 Rock as it goes along, his role. Um, I think he's a sort of... Um, oh, sorry, Rip Torn isn't the head of a the studio there, is he? But there's the same gag about the studio being run as a subsidiary of a different company and all that sort of stuff that you realise is exactly the basis of a lot of the, the kind of humour that you take for, for granted in something like 30 Rock. And it also reminded me a little bit of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Definitely. And that another show probably wouldn't have existed without that kind of groundwork being laid. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go back and watch more of it. And I think that, like, as far as he goes, the man Larry uh, um, Gary Shandling, like, he's a hard man. Like, he's awkward in interviews, not just the Ricky Gervais one. He is quite an awkward man to interview. He's very uh, aware of his insecurities, and I think he was quite spiritual, but he was very unsure. He didn't like being questioned that much, and that's why that comedians in cars interview with Jerry Seinfeld 
I thought it was brilliant because I'd never seen him so disarmed. Like, because he was around Jerry Seinfeld, someone he really respected and had grown up with. It was a really nice um, sort of reminiscence about the growing up together as comedians. And it, it was just, it's, you've got to watch it if you want to understand who he is. That was just a, a perfect sort of eulogy for him in a lot of ways. Oh, I'm going to definitely go and watch yeah. that. It's really good. I, I didn't realise quite how parallel their careers were as well that yeah. they started stand up exactly the same time they were filming their shows in opposite lots in the same studio like mm. it was quite remarkable but yeah it's a really lovely uh, really lovely comedians in cars what a solid output from uh, one studio that those two were being filmed Seinfeld and, and that were being filmed next to each other that's yeah, amazing, and they're filming Brooklyn Nine Nine there at the moment. You see in the comedians in cars when they go past it, it's where Brooklyn Nine Nine is at the moment too. Uh, Incredible place. Well, there you go. There you go. Next week, then, what were we going to do this week, Matt? You. Do, I it was medical soul, wasn't it? Oh, oh nice. Soul. So. Hopefully, barring any other sudden deaths, next week we'll be talking about Better Call Saul. If you haven't watched it and you want to join us, wouldn't it be great to have a listener of the podcast joining us in the uh, guinea pig chair? I like that mm. idea. Um, so, literally, if, uh, if anybody is willing to watch one episode of Better Call Saul, if you haven't watched it, you've got Netflix and uh, now's the time to start it, then pop us an email, give us your phone number, we might ring you and join you, uh, make you join us next week. You've got till Tuesday night to watch it, I should point that out, you've not got till Friday. Tuesday no night. faking though, you have to have not watched it before. That's right. We'll know. Don't worry, we won't get any emails, Matt. Studio <laughs> at theboxsetpod.com <laughs> Studio at theboxsetpod.com Email us if you're willing to be that guinea pig. Any final thoughts from anybody? Uh, just for any listeners playing along with the uh, when will Howell mention Chuck sweepstake, it was 48 minutes this week. 48 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I'm going to edit this podcast so that it's definitely just off 48 minutes. And you'll take out that comment too? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, that's too much work for you. Good. Well, thank you, everyone. And apologies to our friend Christian, who obviously couldn't get here in time, and he really wanted to talk about Gary Shandling. Oh, which we will never do again. See, he's on the uh, oh, I'm still on my way home. I should be another ten minutes. That was one hour ago. Yeah, should we be worried? I mean, is there any Maybe. should we be concerned? <laughs> someone, someone call Christian. Maybe his bus can't stop her; it'll explode. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to have to do a tribute show for Christian next week? Oh, oh, God, that's right. oh this is this isn't what you want to suggest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is, you, please do edit that bit. One day that comment is going to seem very, very inappropriate. Keep a hold of it, Hal. Keep a hold of it until yeah, it becomes relevant. I just paste it. Yeah. <laughs> Christian, we're waiting for you to die. See you next week. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. 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 Who's, who's going to watch Better Call Saul, by the way? Oh, it, was, it was me. I haven't seen it. You but, haven't um... seen it. You're on next week. <laughs> cool. So I'm not going to be available next week. It's uh, our anniversary. Well, I suppose we can do it without Jamie. Uh, yeah, I'm not here next week either because I have to host a bloody gig. All right, Adam, you're welcome back. Um, uh, I'm probably on the bedtime routine. Great, Matt, it's me and you. This is going to be... Oh, imagine the arguments we're going to have for a whole hour. <laughs> oh, I can just feel how much I'm not going to like it. Fireworks. And then just one one listener on a phone call in sat in the middle getting more and more awkward. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Uh, See ya. Bye. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey. Hey. 